You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Cut down. You know, one year is like 34-35% of his outs for strikeout. High and deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. The legend grows larger. You know my first question for Trevor later? He ever hit five home runs in four games at any level? Kenta Maeda struck out in his first at-bat. Maeda awaits the 0-2 from Kashner. And a fly ball to left field. It's deep. It has a chance, and it is gone! A home run! Kenta Maeda! A three-run home run for Donaldson. Pools rips one deep left field, and this one is over. Angels win it. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm Diamond Dante, joined here with Mr. Mike Nellis. How you doing? Good, good. It's another uh, solid week of uh, baseball talk coming right up, and uh, the Toronto Blue Jays getting off to a uh, hot start, a torrid start, really, just... well. On the, uh, not necessarily on the baseball field, but um, in the conversations of baseball fans everywhere. Um Three games in, four games in, and Five, they yeah. already and they Five already games. had a ridiculous amount of um, of uh, debate and discussion going on oh, earlier yeah. this week about the uh, uh, the broken up double play that resulted in a Blue Jays loss, and uh, yeah. which was tough. Yeah, it w- it was really tough. And and what do you think of the whole situation? Let's start off with that because we just heard some 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 highlights here. W- what do you think of the whole situation uh, with, with jo- John Gibbons coming out and saying? You know how it's an embarrassment, and how he knew it was going to happen in spring training, yeah. and what Bautista did. How they said he grabbed Forsythe's leg when he threw the ball. Listen, I'm going to tell you. As far as I'm concerned, Edwin's foot was already on the bag. Well, yeah, and and it, it, I don't think it was it was necessarily the uh, the play at first that resulted in in the call getting it? overturned. It was Bautista apparent, allegedly grabbing the guys like, look, I didn't even I'm, see I'm him. I'm looking at the picture right now, Mike. And, and, and I didn't even see him grab the guys. Like, you can look at a play in slow motion over and over again all you want, but if you're not seeing it in real time, you're not going to know what actually happened. And and, and So why so, didn't the umpires make the call on the field? Well, they, they did, and then they, and then they got they challenged. Them, they called it safe, though. Yeah, and then well, that's it. And and as a result, you know, maybe they should have just left it safe because um, that was the play that was made in real time. There's like, been a lot of stupid calls. Well, and, and and you know, it's like okay, well, uh, uh, yeah, well, we reviewed it and they got the call right. Well, if you're not seeing interference in real time, are you seeing interference or you know, are you not? Because there ne- there never really seemed to be an issue with interference before this and now we're getting challenges and we're looking at things really closely and we're and we're magnifying and slowing down plays to see if oh did Batista's arm come out and clip the guy like just just give it a rest just look at it let the umpires make their call because this replay if you ask me as far as I'm concerned it's ruining the game it really, really? is I, well, I, I, I like the replay to some point I do not like the replay for home plate stuff when the guy doesn't even try to slide mm-hmm. because oh the guy catcher's dropping the but this is my first reaction I saw Edwin hit the ground ball it was a slider on an 0-2 count right and Edwin hits the ball the third place Longoria turns it to to four side I see Bautista sliding in and my whole mentality I was like how's it Jose do not do not go into him mm-hmm. I he, saw you know I what? saw his but, hand come out and I was like please tell me he didn't do it but guess what he didn't no, he didn't. He didn't know. They still made the throw. It's not like he got taken out and did a somersault Forsyth, right? Like it's it, it's just a play, and that's a play that's going to happen many, many times in a baseball game. So, are the umpires going to be overturning fifty percent of plays that are made at second base? 
That's yeah. that's essentially what they're. That's the president that they're setting by making that call. If you ask me. Yeah. As, and I think Gibby did a good job to stick up for his team. Yeah. Um. It's it. Look, in that situation, it's not really the umpires. Uh. It, it, now it is because they're looking at the play themselves. They're having a conversation. Uh, you know, with New York, they're having a conversation to try and 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 make this call, um, and, and get it right based on the rules. Yeah. And as far as the rule is concerned, they got the call right. But they, the rule itself, in my opinion, is wrong. Yeah. And it shouldn't be there. Like, you're asking umpires to make calls in situations that really just don't take the account of or pardon me they don't take flow of the game into account you know you know why i think they brought in the instant replay do you remember that one time where it was like the 18th inning it was like three in the morning and that one umpire called uh called andrelton simmons safe at home plate when he was out by three feet because he probably just wanted the game to end yeah, do you, <laughs> yeah. Do you, that was a lot, long time ago with the pirates it was yeah. like four or five years ago. i actually I honestly think that there's there's two big ones there's that one, and then there's the one where Joe Nathan, Nathan threw a, a slider, or a, sorry, a changeup, five feet out of home plate. He called it a strike. Mm-hmm. And and like the like Matt, Joe Joe Madden. This is where uh, Joe Madden was still the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. This was like four years ago. He came out and he put his hands up in the air. He's like, "Do not see the strike zone." And I think that's why they brought an in instant replay. And of course, we know the 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 big Armando Galarraga. Uh, loses the no hitter because of the call at first base. Well, and of course now we have the uh, the pitch tracks uh, pitch indicator to the right of the uh, uh, this, the TV screens of every uh, Blue Jay fan, so that um, everybody can know when the umpire misses the strike zone on the little box that's up on your uh, I like on it. your screen. You know what? It, I I I gotta admit that's the first thing I look at after a pitch is thrown to see where the pitch ended up. So for that. Um, instance, I think it's a lot uh, easier, but uh, yeah, it's anyway. There, there's different, yeah, positive and negative things uh, that come with technology entering sports, and I think it needs to be kept to a minimum. Absolutely. Now we're going to move over to another big story uh, f- with the Jays tonight. Will be the first time in 16 years that two knuckleballers will face off against each other. R. A. Dickey on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays, and Stephen Wright for the Boston Red Sox. That's pretty cool. It really is, and uh, I, I got to tell you, Dante, this is something again that you're you haven't seen in a while, and and Ari Dickey continues to amaze a lot of people, and I don't know, yeah, his, I, his 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 age just keeps going up, and it seems like his durability is there, and yeah, sure, he doesn't last as well deep into outings as your average pitcher, which I think is the biggest. Well, the problem. arm gets tired, you lose a little bit more movement, it's, right? It's the biggest problem with the knuckleballer is but six how innings, you, right? Six innings, maybe eighty pitches well, is fine. And what did what did the Blue Jays say? Uh, I think they said from the beginning if they can if they can manage to get you know like you know six innings out of their starters, like that that's kind of what you need, and and any more than that is a bonus. Yeah. And we saw that on Wednesday with Jay Happ. He went seven innings, and then the bullpen blew it. Uh, hopefully that doesn't continue to happen as the year goes on. But um, w- you know what? It's it's just a situation where... We were watching you, the game. You, we were watching the game together. Yeah. And, I, and, I told and, you. And it, it didn't really seem to be one of those games that the Blue Jays were going to give up. But then, boom, it just changes... Right there. But anyway, we're kind of off topic now. Yeah, and the, the last time... Well, no. I mean, we're still talking baseball, but the, the la- wow. guess what the last time this happened? The year 2000. Tim Wakefield, everybody knows that. We're, we're talking uh, two knuckleballers against each other here. Yes. Yeah. So the last time that two knuckleballers faced off against each other was when Tim Wakefield was with the Boston Red Sox. Of yeah. course, he played his whole career with them. And Stevie Sparks was on the other end. Old knuckleballer back in the day. Except uh, his fastball only hit like 80 miles an hour. But it still worked, apparently. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Steve Sparks was like knuckleball, like sixty-eight miles an hour. He was. He was pretty good. Stevie Sparks. Yeah, he oh. was. He was a good pitcher back in the day. <laughs> so I mean, it's pretty cool. But of course, we we know the the best knuckleballer of all time was was uh, Phil Necro. Yeah, and uh, R.A. Dickey is 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 as pretty good as it's going to get in terms of knuckleballers. Now, is he in the top echelon of them? No, but is he is he a serviceable pitcher? Is he a guy that's going to, um, you know, manage to fill his quota? He does that, and the big kind of knock on Dickey is well, he loses a lot of ball games. But you know what? For long, long stretches, 
last year, he was really consistent. And him back in the Blue Jays uniform this year, he's there for a reason. He's there because he's a guy that has been one of the more productive pitchers for the Jays and one of the more reliable guys. Everybody hates on him. And, I don't and, know why. And I don't get it because uh, he's, last been, two he's years, been so good. And you know yeah. what? I'm going to be honest. That first year when Dickey came in after the Cy Young uh, year, pressure, I, pressure. I, there was a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectations. And I wasn't a Dickey fan either. But you know what? And, and I did this as well um, when Sergey Gonchar came to the Ottawa Senators. Wow. And we're, now we're getting off topic. But anyway. No, no, no. You just, you there's just, room for this. You just have to sit back and and take in what he's giving you and see if it brings some kind of a value to the team. Yeah. And R.A. Dickey does that. He's a very valuable player. And he's a guy that I think, as long as he continues to pitch like this, has a future on the Blue Jays. And we'll see how long that is. I, I, I honestly could see him go for another two, three years. I, I think so, too. And yeah. now we're going to go elsewhere around the MLB. Trevor Story, out of the Colorado Rockies system, is killing it. Of course, the Rockies sent Jose Reyes home, leaves an opening at shortstop. Trevor Story has destroyed pitching the last couple games. He has uh, four hit three home runs, uh, four games or three games in a row where he had home runs in every single game. This guy's a young kid, made the team, and looks to do big things. Is he, uh, is he the real deal? It's almost like that Tulowitzki trades a blessing in disguise for the uh, Colorado Rockies, but uh, well, you know, it's it's a it's a situation that is uh, very good, and it's it's one of these things where you just don't expect it. You just don't um, immediately come out in a baseball setting and say, okay, well, he was only uh, ranked their this, number eight prospect. Yeah, this guy, uh, he, he's going to be uh, he, he's going to be um, our he, he's going to be our backbone. Like, you, you can't say that going into the season. It's just one of those um, unpredictable sports moments. I like and, it, though. And, well, and, and it's a good thing. It, it's a good thing for sports because those are the things that make people want to watch. Um, and and I think it's it's good for the Colorado Rockies organization as well. Too bad for Jose Reyes, but you know what? I love um, him, though. I, I love Jose Reyes I, so I, much. I know you like Jose Reyes. I'm, I'm just... He's a Dominicana. I, I just you can't, know what I, I mean? Can't, I can't buy in. Sorry, Dante. A, and I never really did buy into his defense when he was here, but... Listen, I, I defended him so much until I could not defend him anymore. <laughs> I went on Mike Willner's show back when I was like 15 and told him that Jose Reyes was a better defender than Ryan Goins. <laughs> and I'm sure he threw you right off that show. Oh, he told me to hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love pretty good. Yeah, Mike Wallner is a good guy, but absolutely. That's going to wrap it up here. Taub Steve is going to join us in our next segment to talk about uh, what John Gimmons said, what Bautista did, more in-depth analysis on that. Coming up here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Saw a ground ball. I ran hard a second, and I tried to get to the bag as soon as possible. You know, and as far as I knew, I, I know, um, or I knew, I guess, um, just because the rule has changed in some ways and has been adjusted, or its attention to its application has been heightened. I didn't think it was illegal to make contact, let alone when it was something so subtle and soft. Um, from what I heard. And we got taught in, or briefed in spring training, you're not supposed to put your hands up. So, I mean, it was my first slide trying to break up a double play all season, and I think including spring training. So I know I'm not going to put my hands on the ground and risk injury. So I just let instinct take over. And, you know, did I reach out to make him avoid me? Um, perhaps. Um, does that mean it's an illegal slide? I don't know. My feet were aiming straight at the bag. I felt like I was within reach. I slid directly to the bag. I didn't go directly at him. Um, as far as I understood, uh, I was assuming contact was still okay and obstructing his his path was still okay. Um, as long as you stay within reach of the bag and your feet were headed towards the bag. So I felt like I respected the rule. Uh, I felt like it was a absolutely clean slide and it's just disappointing and, and somewhat embarrassing to lose a Major League Baseball game. There's so much at stake every single day here. 
Uh, we put a lot of hard work, dedication, all our lives. Um, we grew up playing the game a certain way since we we're little kids, and all of a sudden to have everything taken away like that is just, I don't know. You think there needs to be it's some strange? Like, I don't, I'm not giving an explanation. They, you know, they overturned it up there. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. Are we trying to turn the game into a joke? I mean, really. I mean, that that's flat out embarrassing. That cost us a chance to win a major, major league game. Was that the intent? Well, you know what? That's probably the results you're going to get. You know, I was talking to some guys in spring training. Say, wait till it happens where it ends a game, major league game. Didn't end it, but it, you know, we we end up taking the lead. It's really an embarrassment. You know, this. You know, I. You know, I mean, there's. You know, baseball has been a hard-nosed game. He, he gets down plenty of time. He goes. He's going into the bag. There's really no explanation for it. You know what? And it, it, games, wins matter in this business. You know, and for that to come out like that, you know, that I don't get it. Well, all that matters. We got a chance to win. We take the lead. We're going. We're in the ninth inning. We take the lead. We battled again that position, and you're gonna you're gonna end a game like that. I mean, really, it's it's a joke. It's 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 a shame. Um, I get the intent. You go after somebody, you're going to hurt somebody or what have you because of the Utley rule. I get that. But that's good baseball. I mean, that's that's been baseball forever. You know, and, and uh, you know, maybe they want them to just run and get out of the way. I don't know. You know, but, you know, it's, uh, I'll leave it at that. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. I am Diamond Dante, joined with my co-host, Mr. Mike Nellis. Mike, it's time for our Blue Jays segment. And, of course, it's always nice to have Tao of Steve on. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay, given given everything that's going on in the last 24 hours, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a tough one last night, but we'll get to that in just a minute. And if, like we said, the, the, the biggest story uh, coming out of the, the Blue Jays camp is what happened last night against the Rays when they lost to Incarnacion, grounded a ball to third base. Uh, on the bases loaded and in the top of the ninth inning, Jays were trailing 3-2. to two, Then Bautista on that ground ball slid into second base, causing interference with Logan Forsythe, the second baseman. Umpires then went and overturned the call, calling Edwin and Jose out. Double play. That's the end of the ball game. Uh, you had a chance to watch the whole game and, of course, that big meltdown in the ninth inning. Uh, uh, what's your whole thought process on what happened? Uh, certainly I think when it first happened, uh, I was like most of the fans, I think I, uh, incredibly irate. Uh, I do think that, uh, what was ruled there wasn't really the spirit of this rule, but then again, this is a pretty new, uh, set of rules. Uh, I, I, I did see, I mean, I did spend about two hours afterwards uh, <laughs> looking at Twitter and seething at Twitter and, and whatnot. Um, uh, I, I didn't necessarily buy the idea that that was always an illegal slide in the sense that, you know, in past years, it would have been just instead of a hand going after someone's ankle, you know, you would have had your knees or your spikes or your back or whatever it was going after uh, uh, players' ankles. So, and having had a little bit of time to think about it, uh, I, I do have a notion, and we can't be in, in Jose's head, but having heard some of his interviews, I do have a notion that Jose was making the slide as he was doing it. It was kind of this last minute thing of, wow, man, this is, this is, yeah, bottom of the ninth, uh, and and I've got to not let that last out get made. I agree. And it was, but if you look at the slide, he slid with his feet towards the base. The fielder was able to get out of the way. He tapped the foot. Um, I don't think that that really caused that much much disruption. Um, he did slide by the bag, and that's going to be a thing that's going to require some. Uh, retraining of the players' minds because they're just used to doing that at this point. Um, and I do like the idea that the rule says you can't slide through the bag. You have to actually make a legitimate legitimate slide. Yeah. Tao of Steve is uh, joining us here, a Sportsnet writer and Toronto Blue Jays blogger. Um, I did just want to switch gears to uh, after the game, uh, John Gibbons uh, with a couple comments. One of them is uh, being blown up on Twitter um, still. And, uh, you know, we, we could get into that social uh, discussion or we could just stick to, you know, what happened on the baseball field. And, um, you know, John Gibbons said that the entire thing was a flat out embarrassment. And he said, you know, um, I was talking to somebody in spring training this is going to screw somebody over at some point. 
and it only took three games. And um, it, it just seems like in this situation with John Gibbons, um, he's kind of venting the frustrations of everybody else in baseball with some of the rules that are being um, th- that are being changed here. And maybe not everybody else, but at least um, uh, a specific group of people. Yeah, I think he was probably mostly venting his own frustrations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that when there is a rule change like this, uh, people uh, are slow to accept it. Uh, they're, they uh, begrudge it. And, you know, uh, baseball and, and people within sports are, I think, um, uh, conservative by their nature. Uh, they don't like change. The, the game has been the same for years uh, to um, uh, in a lot of their minds. So, you know, why are we changing it now? Uh, I understand that people are reticent to change. For me, you know what? I look at the change of pace rules last year. People griped about them. I think that they were great, actually. And I think that uh, they helped move the game along a lot more uh, more quickly. I like, uh, I like the time clock being put on in between innings just to make sure that uh, things don't drag on. I like the fact that they are uh, condensing the games. And I like the fact that you can't blow up a catcher at home anymore. As much as it worked against the Blue Jays yesterday, uh, and in what I think was kind of a ticky-tack uh, application of the rules, I still do. Uh, I, I still do think that it's the it, it is the right rule. Look back fondly on some of the uh, takeout slides from the past. I, I just I don't like seeing guys get hurt. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, they're they're human beings, and and to me. Uh, it's easy for us when we're uh, at a distance of, you know, um, several hundred meters when you're in the stadium or, you know, several hundred miles when you're at home watching it to see someone get hurt and to not think about what that causes someone. And, uh, you know, some of the, sometimes that's uh, uh, lifelong, um, uh, lifelong changes, lifelong um, ramifications. So I, I just, I don't think that, I don't think that people's personal safety is something that we should be so cavalier about. Yeah, for sure, Tao. And and, and you look at back when Brett Laurie uh, slid into Alcides Escobar uh, a while back, and and that was the one reason why why they decided to uh, to put this thing in. They and even the one when Chase Utley slid into to to second base in L.A. And uh, mm-hmm. do you do you really think that this is the right ruling? Uh, on the Batista case? No, it just to to put this just rule in general. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think it probably is the the right thing, uh, the the right rule. And and I guess what the thing from last night, uh, the way in which it concerns me is that my notion was was that a good solid hard slide into second could still uh, disrupt. The, the second baseman and I guess yeah. it's the way I sort of think about it is it's the dis- the distinction to use a basketball analogy you know between contesting a shot and hard fouling someone right you know you should be able to contest the shot you should be able to contest uh, that throw from second base uh, the thing is is I think that Batista's slide was really close to what a good solid legal slide should look like he did go through the bag and uh when i saw that initially on the replay i thought well there it is there you go that's probably why they're going to lose this and then i think the hand on the ankle i became a whole sort of different discussion tal uh just switching gears now to uh the blue jays starting rotation and from what we've seen so far now we're four games in the starting pitchers have have, have kind of gone through. We've uh, just seen Jay Happ uh, most recently, and um, it seems as though that as of right now, and I'm, I mean, as of right now, you can you can say that at any point, but four games into the season, it's hard to judge. But I, I do want to ask you what you think and what you've seen uh, from these guys that you like and dislike thus far, particularly um, the young arms at the top of the rotation in uh, Stroman and Aaron Sanchez and, and um, you know, what their performances have been like in your mind thus, uh, to this point. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, one real game for each of them, but uh, I think 
uh, Strowman's a real, uh, I mean, has always been such a delight to watch. And, and it is one of those things that yeah. you forget over the winter, just how awesome this guy can be. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that I was uh, sitting at a, a sitting at a bar in Ottawa watching the game on Sunday. And uh, my companion uh, just about fell off his seat at uh, one of the pitches that uh, Strowman through buckled his <laughs> knees uh even though he was just sitting there you know just incredible tight spin uh the fact that Strowman has a bunch of pitches and he'll use them in a bunch of different situations so anyways uh, it was it was fun to watch that he didn't fart around too much with the quick uh, pitching but he did a couple of times so i'm not sure how well that's going to go for him in the long term yeah uh, as far as Sanchez goes, I think uh, the real revelation from last night was the degree to which he was using his changeup, uh, using a, a curveball that almost looked like a bit of a slurve to me. Yeah. Um, uh, it looked almost midway between a slider and a curve. And the way that he was using them in a bunch of different situations – I think the fact that he is driving more towards the plate helps his will help his control. And the fact that he didn't walk a batter and was not particularly wild last night, that was amazing. That was, uh, I, you know, uh, if we can get past uh, all of the crap that happened at the end of the game, uh, what was said after the game, uh, which is really demoralizing in a lot of ways, but uh, and just if you can focus on on the pitching performance from last night's game, then I think uh, there's a lot to look forward to. And and Jay Happ actually, uh, I, I really like the way that he attacked the bottom of the zone today because he was mm-hmm. a guy who spent a lot of time up, up, up when he was with the Blue Jays, and you can succeed that way, but I think that. To succeed going up, you have to be able to establish the bottom part of the uh, strike zone. And uh, I thought he really did that well today. Yeah, that's Tao Steve joining us here from Sportsnet.ca. And uh, just to finish off here, the Blue Jays added uh, Franklin Morales late uh, this week. Of course, uh, last roster addition here, he's a lefty. So now they have two lefties in the bullpen. That's uh, Mr. Franklin Morales from Dominican Republic. So that should be good. You bring in a Latin player to go with that Latin culture there. Uh, and then you now you have uh, Brett Cecil, and it must be a pleasant surprise for the Jays to have uh, another lefty in that bullpen. Yeah, I mean it was a bit of a struggle for them to be able to find uh, to find a lefty, um, and you know they tried Randy Choate and and uh, to replace Loop. Uh, I I thought Morales. And it's funny because I actually I know in the last couple of seasons I've looked at his baseball reference page a number of times. Yeah, uh, a, a real handy guy, and uh, and I think they were really fortunate, frankly, uh, that Milwaukee would just kind of ran out of roster spots and didn't really have room for a guy like uh, like Morales. And and on that level. Uh, I think he's a good ad- addition. I mean, he is still, you know, a situational lefty. He, he's not a key to the bullpen, but he's a really, uh, a really nice piece to, for them to, to be able to have, um, especially so that they don't have to continue to talk themselves into the idea that, that the right-handed uh, Ryan Tapera is a, <laughs> is a left-handed specialist for them. Yeah, true that, and they, they did send him down. You know what's funny about this deal is how I actually got to see Morales pitch against in Toronto when and Troy Tulowi- or sorry, uh, it was Donaldson hit a walk-off on him, and of course lefty-righty Donaldson destroys lefties. So it was uh, it was kind of cool to see him sign with the Jays. But once again, uh, Tal, that pretty much wraps it up, and uh, once again. Uh, Mike and I really appreciate you coming on around the diamond and uh, uh, we look forward to having you on uh, down the road in the summer and it's going to be a busy one. The Jays are going to have a great summer. I can feel it. It's it's a long season. It's a long it's and long glorious season. season. So enjoy it. Yeah. You know what? The one thing of that when I, I just have to calm myself down when those things happen and kind of say, listen, it's a long season. There's still another hundred and whatever games left. So uh, it's a long season, but uh, thanks again. All right. That was Tao Steve from Sportsnet.ca. Great guest to have on the show, and we appreciate him uh, joining us here on Around the Diamond. And, of course, coming up next, we got champions throughout the rest of the show, Mr. Helm. 
Mikey, it's going to be good. Matt Helms is joining us. He's the, uh, or he will be, the starting left fielder for the Ottawa Champions coming this May. So that'll be a good chat. You're going to want to stay tuned for that one. Absolutely. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home of your Ottawa Champions games. Only sunshine. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home of every single Ottawa Champions game. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Mr. Mike Nellis. Joining us on the phone is Matt Helms. The Ottawa Champions just acquired him from the New Jersey Jackals last week and are very happy to welcome him to Around the Diamond. How are you doing? I'm doing good, just uh, preparing for baseball, ready to get up there and start the season. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. Now, we are seeing some snowfall, and it, it looks like it should melt by then, but it's going to be very cold uh, at this point. Yeah, if it's snowing, it's cold. I can tell you that. That's all I need to know. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Anyway, so uh, we're going to get uh, straight into things here. I just want to do a little background check on yourself. And uh, I'm going to ask you, growing up, uh, playing. Who was your baseball idol, and and did you play left field throughout high school and college? Um, well, my idol was Chipper Jones. I was a big. Ooh. I'm a big Braves fan. Um, just being from Oklahoma, we didn't have a uh, professional baseball team, so I kind of felt free to choose any team I wanted. So I chose uh, the Braves because during the '90s they were a uh, great ball club, and just Chipper Jones was just uh, just one of those guys that you just fell in love with watching him play the game. And um, position-wise, I was a catcher in high school. Uh, we graduated, our catcher was graduated when I came up. And uh, so my dad being the coach was like, well, you're catching. So I, I didn't start uh-huh. playing left field until college. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, you're actually the second uh, official baseball player to come on this show and say that your favorite player is Chipper Jones. So uh, it was really? a... Well, y- yeah, your uh, your shortstop over there, Daniel Bick said he uh, he grew up watching okay, Chipper Jones, so yeah. that's pretty. Me and him cool. will get along pretty well then. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, Chipper Jones is a good player, but I uh, I just want to ask you, um, going coming into Ottawa, um, how are you going to adapt playing in in a whole different city and in, in, in a whole different country? Uh well, um, I've done it before. I've uh, started out with Quebec City, and that was a whole yeah. new experience. And um, I think that really helped me with adapting to Canada and their style of ball and their uh, weather and fans and stadiums and all that. And so it, it, I think I'll feel pretty comfortable and coming up there after getting the experience at Quebec City. So I think, I think I'll think i end just feeling like a normal year and, and hopefully have a better year than last year. Yeah, you mentioned uh, playing for the Quebec Capitals in 2014. Uh, Matt, that was your rookie season in professional baseball, and you had a pretty good, uh, pretty good season production-wise. Uh, yeah. With a uh, an average over 300, and that was your well your rookie season in professional ball after playing for Louisville. So what um, what worked for you in that rookie season, and you know what has worked for you really well production wise uh, since you joined the professional ranks? Well, the rookie year it was more uh, there was no expectations of me. I think it was mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any uh, worry or anything on my shoulders coming in thinking I got to hit this, I got to do this. But just coming in, uh, just pretty much naive, not knowing the level of competition I was at, just saying, hey, it's just baseball. And I think that really helped me out just to be uh, a new guy and, and nobody knew who I was or expected me to do anything. Therefore, I just got comfortable and uh, just started hitting real well and tearing it up uh, the first year. And from there on, it's been more of, hey, I can do this. I've done it before. So last year was no different to where – I found finally found my groove about a month into the season, and it was just like I was their rookie rookie year again. We talked to uh, manager Halladier last week, and he mentioned that uh, well, one of the reasons why he picked you up was your glove, your speed. Basically, you'll be able to help out defensively as well um, as offensively. Um, so, just talk about your defensive game. What do you think your uh, your best attributes are uh, defensively? 
Well, defensively, I take a lot of pride in because it's 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 a just really key to me that I do well defensively because offense helps the team, but also uh, defense wins championships. So I take good pride in in being sound defensively, either taking routes to balls, uh, arm strength, and just the knowledge of outfield. Right. So um, yeah. I just through everything I do, I take pride in and try to do it to the best of my ability, and it's, defense is no different. Yeah, and and you, you, let's stick on the defensive side of things. And a lot of people out there do think that you just throw a guy in left field and you say, "Here, you, you got power. You can swing the bat. You play left field, and you can kind of hide the guy." But in my opinion, now that I watch more b- baseball as I get older, I feel like you can't hide players. And left field is actually a very important uh, position. You don't have to have the worst arm on the team. You actually have to be pretty good. You look at a guy like Alex Gordon in Kansas City, a Gold Glover, mm-hmm. and and could play center field or even maybe right field. It, there's some good players yeah. in left field. What is the most important part about playing that position? Uh, I would just say just uh, down the lines. You, I mean, most people take advantage of you trying to get an extra base, trying to get in the scoring position. That's usually my favorite throw is throwing a guy out at second, trying to take scoring position. Yeah, um, that, that could change the whole game right there if he moves up. And uh, other than that, I mean, you're making a throw anywhere as deep as right field or center field as you are in left. And uh, I think it's just just as important because there's so many right-handed hitters. Their pool is left field. So, I mean, you're getting plenty of balls out in left field just as much as you will get anywhere else in the outfield. Yeah, and you look at, you know, how... The one thing, when, for example, if you have a guy on second base, you don't want to shoot the ball to right field because the right field are, usually has mm-hmm. the cannon of an arm. But you throw, you hit the shoot the ball to left field, and then you're there, and you throw him out of, at home plate. And I think that's what your arm adds a huge asset to this team defensively. Yeah, well, that's that's my favorite play. Is I mean, throwing guys out of home is I mean, it's it's right there below home runs. I mean, it's right up there with it. And um, just I think that's also with left fielders they don't expect you to have the good arm. And then I just try to be accurate with it, um, and and it usually works most of the time. I mean, you, I don't get them 100% of the time, but I'm shooting for them 100% of the time, and uh, that's where it advantages me where the third base coach thinks, oh, left fielder doesn't have an arm like right field, and they send them, and I'm sitting there with the ball at the plate before they get there. <laughs> You've managed to get to uh, the finals in both years that you played in the Can-Am League, first with Quebec and then last year uh, losing to Trois-Rivières with the New Jersey Jackals. Um, how much? How different is it um, to play playoff baseball in the Can-Am League than it is in the regular season? And having that experience, is that something that you think is an asset? Well, this experience, I mean, just playoffs is just a whole different animal altogether. Yeah. It's, uh during season, you got your grind pretty much, and um, it's day in and day out. You got to show up, but then playoff, it's it's win or go home. So I mean, everybody else turns it up a different notch. So it's a it's a higher level of ball when it comes to playoffs. Not saying regular season isn't as important because um, it is, but it's just the it's just your your days are numbered and your games are numbered. So everybody's playing at a higher level to try to get to the championship. And um, I think that's a good experience for me to bring to Ottawa. Because um, you only have a handful of guys like Boucher there that um, yeah. that have played playoff baseball in in Can Am and just them being a new team and everything. But I think it's going to be a good attribute to where I've been there and I could I could I have the experience under my belt. Matt Helms, recent signee of the Ottawa Champions, he'll play left field in 2016 this coming summer. Um, Matt, the one other thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, the Champions open their year on May 19th at RCGT Park, and they're going to host your former team, the New Jersey Jackals. What's that going to be like, mm-hmm. playing against the Jackals? Oh, I've done it before with uh, Quebec City when I was <laughs> at New Jersey. Wow. Uh, it's just one of those where uh, you kind of want to come out and in spite and show them up what they're what they gave up you know and yeah. you want to come out and do uh great against them and just show them what they gave up but uh I'm, i'll be gunning for them but uh then again it's just another game and i'm it's another season i just got to do i want to produce every day so yeah it'll be no different but there'll be a little more uh incentive behind the win when we get it so yeah that's Matt Helms joining us here on Around the Diamond. And I want to switch back over to the back, but a technical side of your batting. Uh, you said you bat left-handed, but you throw right-handed. Um, for any kids listening out there that uh, kind of maybe want to try that out, what's your, your biggest advice to that? And and how did you really come upon that, like throwing right-handed and throwing left, or hitting left-handed? Because uh, I, I found it difficult. I tried it when I played, but it, I found it really difficult mm-hmm. to do that. 
I would say start young, start early. The earlier, the better. And uh, if you're going to switch it, um, just work on both of them equally. But for me, uh, my dad tried to get me to switch hit when I was younger. And uh, I just faced too many right-handed hitters when I was younger, and I never really hit right-handed because there wasn't that many left-handed hitters. So I just stuck with the left hand and ended up having success that way and just never went back when I was younger. So started young and never switched back. Yeah, and uh, the question is, now that you're coming to Ottawa, have you uh, been able, well, you've played here in Ottawa before. Have you toured the city Mm -hmm. a little bit, seen Parliament Hill, all the the nice old downtown area that we have, the nice scenery here? I haven't got to see too much because we didn't have our cars up there and didn't get to drive around, but uh, I've seen uh, seen a little bit of downtown and uh, just around the stadium area, and, I mean, it seems like a beautiful city. Well, uh, looking forward to it, and uh, that pretty much wraps it up, Mr. Uh, Matt Helms. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you this season. We'll see you in spring training. Excited to come up there. Thanks for having me. That was Ottawa Champions left fielder, left-handed hitter. This uh, They just traded for him uh, from the New Jersey Jackals, Mr. Matt Helms. We thank him for coming on Around the Diamond. Uh, Mr. Mike, coming up next, it's going to be good. Is it? I don't know. Austin, what's, what's, what's coming up next? Austin Chisman's going to be coming on the show. The Houston Astros' former second-round pick. Ottawa champion signed him last week. He should be good. Right-handed pitcher. He throws a nice curveball around town. Oh, well, I guess we're going to find out on May 19th or whenever we first see him in the lineup. Absolutely. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home of every single Ottawa Champions game. I am Diamond Dante, joined here with Mr. Mike Nellis. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good, and we've got a very special guest to uh, bring the listeners right now. Absolutely. We're going to welcome Austin Crisman from uh, former Houston Astros second-round pick. Ottawa Champions just signed him last week. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are y'all doing today? We're doing awesome. Very, very uh, good. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the show. And uh, I just want to give the little listeners a little bit of a background check. Of course, you were drafted second round by the Houston Astros in 2013. Uh, what was that whole moment like, and where were you? Uh, well, I was actually playing summer ball up in uh, a collegiate league in Virginia, the Valley League. And, uh, yeah, I was just driving down the road a, uh, on day three of the draft, and I got a call from an Astros scout who'd come see me earlier that season. I played at uh, Christopher Newport University. And he called me, and I saw it, and I said, hey, how's it going? He said, hey, we're about to draft you. And I was like, I mean, it was just a, it was a rush. It was awesome. It was what I've wanted my whole life, you know, since I was a little kid playing ball. So, you know, of course I told him that, you know, yeah, I'm on board, and it was awesome, and I enjoyed it for a couple of years. Yeah, and of course, sticking with a, a little bit of a background check on you, um, I'm going to ask you, uh, being a right-handed pitcher, who was, your, who was the guy that you tried to model yourself after playing uh, baseball your whole life? Uh, maybe not model myself so much, but I really admired watching uh, Roger Clemens growing oh. up. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't you know, never compare myself to him, but you know, just maybe as a role model, a way to pitch, how to handle their business on the mound, you know, I really... I really took a liking to him and watching him play. Yeah, Austin, and uh, you're actually the second pitcher to come on this show and say that your idol is Roger Clemens. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer in my eyes. So, oh, yeah. You know, there's a handful, you know, it might be better career-wise, but there's, and there's not many. Switching to, uh, I, I guess, just your career, Austin, and uh, right to this point, you've been playing in the Houston Astros organization since you were, uh, or since the 2013 season. This is your first year in uh, the Indy circuits, going into the Can-Am League, coming to Ottawa. Uh, what do you expect from it? Oh, well, you know, I I really just expect you know to you know play ball, and I mean that yeah. that's really what it comes down to. You know, doesn't matter, you know minor league baseball with an affiliated team or an independent team, like we're still playing baseball, you know, something still only a handful of people in the world get to say they do for, you know, at least a little bit after college. So yeah, <clears throat> I'm really uh, looking forward to that. 
For sure. And uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, manager Hal Lanier. And uh, he's a guy that's been uh, that's been around the game and uh, in his 70s now is kind of touted as one of the more knowledgeable people in independent baseball. Are you excited to play for him? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's especially with you saying that, you know, he's got some years under his belt and he's, you know, got experience and stuff. And, you know, we're always trying to learn. You know, I'm I go into everything with an open mind and anything he wants to offer to me or see something that I might need help with or I'm struggling with, you know, I'm just looking forward to work with him and, you know, just taking the knowledge I can while I can. Yeah, the one thing that you will notice about Hal Lanier is he's a, he's a very, very nice guy and is, is willing to help uh, young players, so that should be good. But, uh, uh, Austin, I want to switch over to uh, your pitches here. I know that we spoke a while back about uh, what kind of pitches you throw. Um you want to go through those for us and, and what they mainly do? Yeah, I mean, I, I throw, you know, a four-seam fastball that, you know, just typically it's just it's a ball that you want to get a lot of backspin on, try and, you know, get on the hitter, you know, make it not physically rise, but just kind of jump onto the hitter. Um, you know, I throw a two-seam uh, that, uh, that's, you know, down and in. Usually, you know, it, it's got that sinking tail in action, you know, Try and get the velocity up. Um, let's see, after you know, a change up. You know, it's it's you know a slower version of a fastball, but it tails. You know, tails and sinks some. Uh, you know, I got a curveball that usually has you know like a one to seven type you know break on it, and I have a slider that you know it it sweeps and you know, has like a little downward plane to it. So yeah, sounds yeah, good. That's, that's it. Yeah, that, that sounds good. It sounds like you're going to be in a lot of hit, hitters out, especially with a lot of movement on your pitches and uh, and that good uh, curveball there. Yeah, for sure. And is there any chance that I can maybe walk up and swing the bat a couple of times and uh, maybe see if I can make contact? Hey, <laughs> if it's okay with the coaches, try and me. <laughs> hey, uh, like I, I always say this on the show, I always like to joke around. I played high school baseball, and uh, you, you throw 90 miles an hour, and I thought saw like 82 miles an hour once, and I was like crapping my pants. <laughs> so I oh, mean, man. listen, you're you're a professional guy, and I think you strike me out of my pants. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'd, oh. I'd be I'd be buckling down on my knees. How does that? Oh man. Well, hey, you never know. You know, blind squirrel finds him every now. But the the I the only <laughs> thing I'd just be scared of getting hit. Oh no, I I wouldn't hit you. Oh I no. Typically, don't hit too many people. Oh, okay. Well, then you got. I mean, you mentioned that you have good control, so that means I won't okay. get hit. So, so that means if you do hit somebody during the season, what? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, Austin. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll see you in spring training, man. Look forward to to meeting you for the first time. All right, yeah, no problem. Thank y'all for having me. I'll see y'all this week. Thanks, Austin. That was Austin Chrisman from the Ottawa Champions. They just signed him from the Houston Astros system, former second-round pick in the Major League Baseball. Coming up next, Mike and I will talk a little Champions Baseball as they sign some two Latin players that throw pretty hard. You're going to want to stay tuned here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm Diamond Dante, joined here with Mr. Mike Nellis. We're talking Champions Ball. Yeah, we are. And uh, there's really no shortage of moves here from... And I told him, I'm I, like, I, I hope he's a nice guy if he's my boss. Very yeah. nice guy. He's been on the show before. Uh, if you guys <laughs> yeah. have listened, uh, he came in week two yeah, and did. Uh, did a really good job. We talked about Carlos Gomez. Anyways, um, he, he, I was like, listen, Craig, you guys got to sign some Latinos. What Guess did they what? do? Oh. They did it. You, you may as well just be the they signed, manager, Dante. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, listen, I'll tell you one thing. I think I could be the GM. No, I'm kidding. I I, I don't know that. Well. Hit up Hal. <laughs> see if he needs some help. Uh, so they signed left-handed pitchers, Giancarlos Gil and Luis Parra. Giancarlos Gil is from, the Venice, is from Venezuela, whereas Luis Parra is from Dominicana. Hey, hey, hey. 24 years old, Luis Parra. Uh, He's a good kid. 
And uh, he, well, yeah, he signed with the Texas Rangers at age 17 uh, and has been with them in that system for the last seven years. So he's a 24-year-old guy, young guy, younger than Jan Carlos Gill, and he's still got more experience in uh, um, in the professional than ranks. most of these players and a lot of the ranks uh, or a lot of the players I should say uh, on the champions roster so he's going to be a big asset 100% um, in the upcoming year now he did have a bit of an off year last year uh, with an ER his ERA kind of bloated a little bit to just over six yeah he did so we'll see what comes from that and now he's in the indie leagues but a bounce back year for him um Really shows, uh, really will show wonders. I think for the champions and the uh, I can't wait in, in the bullpen if he does end up in the bullpen. Word around town is he lights up the radar gun, Mike. So we're gonna we're gonna find out about that for sure. And 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 I'm hoping that RCGT Park decided to install a radar gun for this. Oh, they don't season. have one. They didn't last year. And we've always said from the beginning, wow, it would be nice to see a <laughs> a radar here in the in the stadium. Well, we I'm sure Lanier would, would know. Yeah, well, they 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 he'll they, be on next week. They track these things, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring on uh, manager Hallinier again because he's just so fun to talk to. So. He's fun to talk to, and he made a lot of good deals. And listen, we're just two idiots in studio. We don't know what we're talking about when we see these guys. Lanier goes and meets these guys. Yeah. I'm not saying we're idiots. It's just kind of, but I mean, oh no, we, we're we idiots can look sometimes. At, we, I'll tell you that. Yeah, we yeah, you're right, and we just look at the numbers. <laughs> you can look at the numbers yeah. all you want. But these guys are, are are good players, and and if you look at he was playing since he was seventeen, yeah, and and uh, imagine he's hitting ninety five. This guy's gonna be blowing people away. I'm gonna be giving him fresh cuts at the Dominican Barbershop. shop. Uh, it's gonna be good. Oh yeah, there you My, go. I have a good friend of mine named Dambert Tobal. He's from uh, uh, Santo Domingo in uh, Dominicana, and uh, I told him I called him up. I was like, Dambert, they called the Domin- they they signed a Dominican, and he was like. Oh yes, Dante. Tell me, tell me. Listen, send him, <laughs> send him over. I give him a, I give him the haircut. I give him a, the Eskim fade. You know, oh, you know what I mean. Good. Listen, man. We, we, you know, we. I, I give it the, you know. Listen, let me tell you something. Pedro Martinez is the best. It's amazing, man. Pujol is amazing. So when That's he signed, it. when when Pada signed with the uh, the Texas Rangers, he started in the Dominican Summer League. Good man. So he was playing for the DSL uh, Rangers team. Um, that year in 2010, that was as a 17-year-old, and since then he's kind of moved over into the uh, ranks of uh, the minor leagues in the States. Um, now, one of the big things is, uh, looking at this, I don't think he's ever played north of, like, California. So this could be interesting in terms of the uh, climate. Hopefully the first game this year is he's nothing like... Yeah, hopefully the first game this year is nothing like the first game last year, Dante. How was it like? Well, let's just say by the second inning of the game, everybody in the stands was wearing winter coats in the stands, and they were still cold. Wow. On May 22nd. Were you, were you cold? Uh, yeah, I was cold. We had the window closed, though, if you can believe that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. So uh, press box window closed, coat on, and uh, I was uh, not chilled, but uh, definitely not warm. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So it, and, was, uh, it, was, it was cold, but uh, it quickly, quickly got a lot warmer after that. Last year, he played for four different teams, did Luis Pada, including Frisco of the AA Southern, or pardon me, the AA Texas League, uh, Frisco Rough Riders team. So that was a good team. They were uh, going deep in the playoffs in that league. Yeah, and, and John Carlos uh, Gill from another left-handed pitcher. And listen, if you throw left-handed and you can hit like 93, like I was talking to, uh, to I think it was... Hal Lanier before, and he mentioned that not a lot of people throw like 95, 96, 97 in this league, which is very common in the MLB, but this is the Can-Am League. Yeah, the pitching in the Can-Am League, we've always said that the uh, the batting is... Uh, the A-ball, right? Yeah, the batting is around A-ball, and the pitching, you could say, is closer to double-A. Yeah. And this has been kind of the general accepted um, terms of the Can-Am League. And the American Association, the American Association, a little bit more so, because uh, and that's where um, that's where Hamrick's was. Yeah, he he's going to be coming on he, next he, week. He played in Amarillo last year, and Amarillo folded. So now uh, he's coming over to the Ottawa Champions in he's the Can Am League. So I would expect to see him uh, to to see him bring something uh, to the team. Um, however, uh, actually, no, he was a starter. Uh, or was he a reliever in the last couple of years? He was a reliever. He was yeah. a set. He was a setup man and a middle was, reliever. Uh, he was. A, he's over a strikeout per game. And and Lanier says that he can start. 
Well, there you go. And uh, we're going to see that coming into this year. We know that uh, pitching coach Billy Horn worked with Wilmer Font for a lot of last year and got him uh, pitching out of the stretch. And he's back. Yeah, he's he's back as the ace this year. He got him pitching out of the stretch, and uh, th- that really did uh, – or, or, pardon me, no, he wasn't pitching out of the stretch. He switched from that – uh, to kind of a different type of windup. So, yeah, it should be good. Uh, as a result, uh, Wilmer Font turned into one of the more consistently good pitchers in the Can-Am League toward the end of last season as a starter, and I think he might be the best one in the league this year. So we'll see, but if the year starts out well for Wilmer Font, we might not be seeing him here in Ottawa that long because he used to pitch in AAA. Yeah, and I want to mention something. When Hal Lanier won the World Series as a as a first base coach, and thir- or first base coach, right, with the... Uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, the old Bush Stadium. Everybody knows the old Bush Stadium. Ozzy mm-hmm. Smith, they had uh, all those. They built from the back end. What I mean, starting pitching and defense won them those games because of the stadium. The Ottawa Champions have a big stadium. but How big is it? It's like 410 to center or something? Uh, about that. It's 404, I believe, to center field. So, that, I mean, for th- that's the Blue Jays' ballpark, right? Yeah. And And for this league, that's big. And there's and no, the, there is no, and they're no, building their team around pitching. But I honestly think their bats are going to be good. This team's going to win, man. I'm telling you. There, there is very little wind in that ballpark. Oh yeah. And uh, as a result, that is a hard park to hit it out of. And a lot of teams figured that out this year. The champions didn't hit a lot of home runs. I think the team leader in home runs had only six or seven on yeah. the year. If you hit ten in this league, you're you're considered a power bat. Well, you are considered a power bat if you hit ten out of this ballpark. Now. <laughs> If you go to Trois-Rivières or Quebec, especially Quebec, that is an easy park to hit dingers out of. I'll tell you that. So um, you're going to see— What about extra base pop? And 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 that's that's something that's where— That's important, you, though. You, you, need, you need extra base pop. You need speed on the base paths. And um, guys like Sebastian Boucher were able to bring that. Boucher, we talked about his knee injury last year. Um, was still able to be one of the most speedy guys on this team. Uh, I remember a, a, a game in the uh, toward the end of the season where Boucher scored from first on a single. It was ridiculous. Yeah, what you he showed was me that video. Do. Yeah, he was he was he really had a good jump on that play. But regardless, he's got speed. Um, Chris Winder had speed. The champions recently released him, uh, which we could get into probably on next week's show a little bit more. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely a, uh, uh, a a different situation with the speed. We'll see if uh, more players can bring that this year. Yeah, and that's gonna wrap things up. But uh, before we go, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm gonna be a billet for one of the champions players. I'm not too sure who it is yet. There you go. Dante is giving back. I am. You know what? <laughs> we're listen. We're gonna have a nice big game. I got a little pop in the extra bat. A little, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, we can, you know, make hand motions here in the studio. No one's going to know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, that's pretty much it for uh, Mike and I here <laughs> on Around the Diamond. Uh, next week, Randy Hamrick's going to join us. We're going to uh, newly acquired relief pitch- pitcher uh, through the week. You can follow myself on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante for more info on interviews coming up and uh, things going around with the champions. Of course, you can also find uh, Mike Nellis at your Twitter. 96 Nellis is the username. Yes. So follow it up, folks. Absolutely. You can uh, be a fool's errand not to follow the Ottawa Champions Twitter, which is at Ottawa Champions. And uh, That's your new word, isn't it? Or your new term. Well, that's Dan's thing. Be a fool's errand. Oh, is it really? Oh, Dan started it. Okay. So you're you're, you're just the teacher's pet that's doing that. And then, uh, (laughs) oh oh my goodness, you're going, you're going ahead. No, well, you know what? Listen, buddy. (laughs) Listen, let's take this outside afterwards. You know what I mean? Uh, That's pretty much it. Uh, Next week, Hamrick and Lanier for sure. Follow us on Twitter for more updates on who's coming up on the show. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music. Tune in to Around the Diamond next Saturday for an intense look on your Ottawa champions and everything baseball.